February 3rd, 2023. We're in Masechet Beza and Count from the top. It's 13 lines down. And now Gemara yesterday really concluded what was a, a, a long conversation and debate within the opinions of Rabbi Yitzhak and Rabbi Yosef. We kind of forgot that along the way because it was less necessary to focus on their opinions. But for a moment or two, we need to return to them and to the question that began it all in order to suggest a different answer, a little bit briefer than the last time. But here's how it went. The Beats Hak and Rav Yosef were debating, they were discussing, together with several other of the Hachmeh Talmud, what's the reason in our Mishnah that Beit Shammai say that Beit Sashen Biyom Tov is Asura? Why should it be that if a, uh, an egg is born on Yom Tov, it should be Asura? So we had different opinions. Well, we've been returned to the opinion, hopefully today, if not in the next class of Rabbah. But for our purposes at the moment, Rav Yosef and Rabbi Yitzhak each suggested reasons which were rabbinic in nature, which means to say that rabbis, viewing this situation and seeing that if a egg is born from an animal on Yom Tov and people are eating from it, it might lead to... That's ex dot dot dot, right? In other words, each of them imagined how the hachamim initially envisioned the situation. They feared that through eating this egg, which permitted from the Torah it is, uh, people would in turn come to violation of Isurim from the Torah. Uh, what sort of Isurim were we dealing with? Well, one of them compared it to Mashkim Shezavu. It's similar to the way the rabbis built that gate with regards to Chot Shabbat and Chot Yom Tov. If a fruit, you didn't squeeze it yourself, but the, the juice oozed out of it, Asur, Midrabanan. Why so? Because the rabbis feared that if we allow for you to drink from that juice, you'll come in turn to squeeze from it, which is an Isur from the Torah. It's Melechet Disha. Similarly, uh, well, this egg, you didn't pull it out, but it came out. It's similar in that respect in the minds of people, the approximation is of the rabbis once upon a time, to mashkin shezavu, which in turn means it's similar to or to potentially bring a person to melacha on Shabbat and Yom Tov. That was one opinion. The other opinion was that uh, it's not so much mashkin shezavu, it's perot shenashru. Whereas on Shabbat, on Yom Tov, you're not allowed to pick a fruit off a tree. It's not that you're going to get the egg out. Someone else asked me this recently as well. It's not that you're going to get the egg out. It's that part of the gezera of sehita, same time they threw this in. Not that they feared you were going to do it on the chicken. They feared you were going to do it on the fruit. They just considered this part of it. I know, a bit of an extension. But that's the opinion. That's the suggestion. The other suggestion is that it's... Well, in the second one... Per, uh, yeah, well, one, you picked it off, the other one, you picked it off the ground. Peroche nashru means that the fruit fell off the ground, it fell off the tree, you found it on the ground, or you caught it on its way down, whatever it is. In such a circumstance, from the Torah, there's no isur. The isur from the Torah is to cut or to pull that fruit off of the tree. Well, what if you found it lying on the ground? What if you went down and you had a basket and you collected them as they're falling off? Should be permitted. Midrabanan, rabbinically speaking, it's asur, because the fear was if you're eating those, you're in turn going to come to picking. Similarly, and at the same time of that gezerah, the suggestion is, the rabbi said that if there's an egg which comes out of the chicken, similar, fruit coming off the tree, natural occurrence just happened without your intervention, it will be asur again, midrabanan. 
Either way you slice it. That was just good hazara. Each of those two opinions maintains that this isur, this prohibition mentioned in our first Mishnah of Betash and Oda Biyom Tob is rabbinic in nature. That's the common denominator. That's the underlying, the bold, the italics. Over here it means that they maintain it's an isur, rabbinically speaking, lighter in terms of severity. That being the case, we quoted, and again, we've been talking about this, a beraita on Davgimalamut Bet. The beraita had two, for our purposes, necessary statements. Number one, safik asur. Number one, the halakha is in a circumstance, a situation where there's a safik, an uncertainty about this egg on Shabbat on Yom Tov. It's asur. We got very nervous about that statement. How could you say that an egg which is born on Shabbat and Yom Tov? which is only rabbinically prohibited. It's, it's mutar from the Torah. Oh, then why should it be asur? We have a principle, safek that a banan lekula. It was for that reason that all our conversation last few days went in a different direction. They said, oh, we're really talking about the from the Torah. It's a safek terefa, which everyone pointed out. Syntax-wise, it didn't really match the beraita. The beraita seemed to be talking about a betash and odab shabbat or yom tov. Okay, but that's what we suggested. We're going to return to that. We're now going to return to that and going to suggest that it's a proper reading. It was really talking about a betash and odab yom tov, and it nonetheless is b'makom safek asur. Why should it be b'makom safek asur? Even midrabanan. Why b'makom safek should be asur? We always say safek adrabanan lekula. Well, it goes like this. There's an extension of another law, another rule that we discussed earlier in a different context, which is going to be applied over here. And it goes like this. Well, it's in the difference. The next line context. It goes like this. We talked about a concept called davar shiyesh lo matirin. And we're going to go with, instead of ran in Masechet Nedarim and Dafnun Bet, we're going to go with Rashi in Masechet Betzah and Daf Gimel Bet, his interpretation as to not what it is, but why it's prohibited. What it is goes like this. We discussed this, we haven't had a, a pretty good conversation before, during and after the class about it. It's a situation where something is prohibited. However, without human intervention, you and I won't need to do anything to it, it will become mutar. Just the passage of time will permit it. The primary example of Harambam and Esefa Mitzvot is Hamet. Hamet seems to be a davar sheyesh lo matirin. It's an item which will become mutar on its own. When you're dealing with a davar sheyesh lo matirin, an item which will become permitted on its own, the halakha is afilu be'elef lo batil. There's no annulling it. You know, what do you mean there's no annulling it? Generally speaking, it fell into, item place, it fell into something, thousands against it that are permitted, well, it got eaten up, and as a result, everything's permitted. Davar sheyesh lo matirin is not so, says Rashi, what's the logic? We said, he's so excited to eat it right now, so wait until tomorrow. It's going to be permitted after the holiday. As a result, rabbinically speaking, the statement is that if it's a davashi matirim, an item which on its own will become halachically permitted, it is not ever permitted in a different way, meaning through bitul. That's the suggestion. You have to understand, just parenthetically, this is a famous statement of Nodat Biuda, that the concept then, according to Rashi, is only potentially in the context of food. If I'm talking about something besides food, it's asur now, but it'll be permitted later on. Well, would I say such a thing? Until you, instead of eating it, instead of dealing with it when it's asur, deal with it when it's mutai. You wouldn't say so. Food is a one-time eating. 
So instead of eating it now, eat it then. If it's not a food thing, if it's just an item I'm going to use, but it's prohibited, it's a, a sur now, it'll be permitted then, but there's bitul on it, I could use it now and then. It seems that the logic of Davashi Yeshua Matirin for Rashi is only applicable to Ma'achal, parenthetically. Well, that being the case, the Gemara now, and I bring you to a conclusion on this whole matter, the Gemara now applies that principle to Safik as well. Whereas the concept, as I just described it, the, the, the principle in general, in Shohan Aruch of Davashi Yeshua Matirin is Afilu Be'elef Lo Batil, if it got mixed into a larger Ta'arovit, mixture of items, we say they're all prohibited, just wait the time out. The halakha that the Gemaras will suggest now is as well, if you have a safik, an uncertainty on a davar sheyesh lo matirin, lechumra. So for example, on, on, on hametz on Pesach, you have a safik, the suggestion would be according to this, lechumra. Hametz on Pesach is midoraita. For our purposes, the betzah shenolda biyom tov. Whereas, according to the Haq, according to Rav Yosef, it's only assumed that Rabbanan Safik, maybe it should be no. Safik is asur. Wait it out. But it's not asur. We tell you, even in that circumstance, davar sheyesh matirin is a reason to say it's prohibited. It's asur. Says the Gemara here again, thirteen lines from top. Rav Amar leolam safik yom What's that? We fell off the non-kosher. We're going back now. No, 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 again, what's the, we, we dealt with yeah, Safik. We understand that we can eat after the holiday because there was no non Right. Safik, we eat after, we can eat it, what are you worried about? We're not losing the food. Right. But now, we, we're not dealing with the fact that the hand is not kosher. No, no, we're not, again, let me, let me just clarify. The Beraita had a statement, Safik is Asur. What's Safik? What is the Safik? So initially, not initially, what we dealt with the last two days was the suggestion that the word safek over there meant safek if it's kosher or not kosher. It didn't really match the words of the Beraita. A lot of people were very bothered by that. The Beraita said, if it's a Beta which was born on Shabbat or Yom Tov, here are the laws. And then it says Safik, oh, by the way, that's not talking about this case. That's talking about if it's kosher or not. But that's what we were working with. The Gemara now goes back and says, no, that's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with kosher animal, 100%. We're uncertain of where, about when the egg was born. You could switch out Separated, you're allowed to switch it out, so it becomes a forbidden view. No, I'm saying when you took Tiruma or Maaseh. It's forbidden view, but if you needed that food, you're allowed to switch it for somebody else. You can switch it for money, you can switch it for something else. You could be Pode, yes. So that would make something that's not good good in food. You're saying, what you're saying, that all Tirumah Ma'aseh should be Davash Yesh? No, what, 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 what are you asking? You're saying the food can't go from not good at this time to good. If, if it is not good now and will become good without your action, without your action, independent of you, naturally, then we won't allow for it to be permitted now. We, we, right? Says the Gemara, Ravashe Amar, Ravashe's claim over here is, Le'olam, in that Beraita, we indeed were dealing with, Safek Yom Tob, Safek Hol. It's a, a doubt, not about whether kosher or not, as we suggested over the course of the last 30 or so lines, but rather in the simple interpretation of that Beraita, it's a question of whether the egg was born today or born 
uh, not today. In other words, was it born on Yom Tov? Was it not born on Yom Tov? That's the question. However, remember, recall, this is a matter which would become permitted. It's that famous statement. The principle that Ravashe is advancing, Ravashe, the last generation of Emoraim, quite the Hidush, he takes which henceforth has been used in the context and situations of and applying it instead or as well to Safek. Safek, the Rabbanan will be Lehumra if it's Davashi Eshlomatirin. Okay, that closes out this Beraita. I believe uh, they promise you. I say it on purpose like that. We won't return to it for a little bit or at all until we do Hazaran Masechet Betzah. But onward in the Gemara, we're still talking about a Betzah Shinodab Yom Tov. And if you recall, our Mishnah had two opinions. Now we had the opinion of Bet Shammai, we had the opinion of Bet Hilel. Bet Shammai say pro- permitted. Bet Hilel said prohibited. Of course, that was ironic. We dealt with that at the bottom of Daf Bet Amut Bet. How could it be? It seems like it's opposite opinions. We even compared it to a Mishnah Masechet Shabbat, where it seemed to be that they flipped their opinions. Okay, but that being the case, we've been assuming for good reason throughout that Bet Shinol Dabi Yom Tov is Asura, like Bet Hilel. We've a little bit been neglecting, for good reason, the opinion of Bet Shammai. The Gemara now presents a Biraita, the name of Rabili Ezer, who will accord with Bet Shammai. We'll take a few moments to analyze and to appreciate that other opinion, the permissible side of matters, that a Bet Shammai Dabiyom Tob is permitted. Tanya, Biraita taught the following, Aherim Omrim Mishum Rabili Ezer Besa Te'achel Hi Ve'imah. Period. So the statement of Bili Ezer is that if a Beitzah is no Dabiyom Tob, if the egg is born on Yom Tob, it and its mother, of course, are permissible to be eaten. It should take you by no surprise that Rabili Ezer aligns himself with the opinion of Beit Shammai. That seems to be Rabili Ezer's MO throughout Talmud. Rabili Ezer is, in the words of the Gemara in several places, a Shamuti, according to some, according to Talmud Yerushalmi, because he was a student of Beit Shammai. Rabili Ezer is the opinion who associates Torah closer to a certain extent with Shamaim than Beti Leil. Uh, for example, the Gemara Masech Bava Metzian Daf Nuntet, the famous story of the Tanur Shel Achnai. There was a question about the status with regards to purity or impurity of a specific oven. Rabbi Eliezer proves his opinion against the Hachamim by having a heavenly voice and all sorts of miracles performed on his behalf to prove that the Halakha is like him, at which point the Hachamim excommunicate him, telling him, Lo that's not the way we determine Halakha. We don't determine it from the heavens. The Torah was given from the heavens and to our, yes, feeble minds, we are imp- empowered to determine the halakha. But that's a bitch on my perspective throughout. It's the bitch on my perspective we've mentioned on more than one occasion, who envision in the Gemara Masechet Hagigan Daf Bet, the heavens being created before the earth, whereas Bet Hillel say the earth before the heavens. It's Bet Hillel who seems to be appealing to humanity more than, not in exclu- to the exclusion of, but more than, so to speak, the heavens. It's the one who thinks about Midat HaRachamim before Midat Adin. I've, I've more than once mentioned that I once read a transcript of Hacham Ovadia Yosef's 
uh, coronation speech when I think he became the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv Yafo. And he says, the way of the Sfaradim is derech bet hilel. He says, we look at the people and we determine law for them. And he's speaking, among other things, about the, uh, the uh, nitiyah, the inclination to be able to, if able to do so, to be mekil, to be lenient. But more than anything, he was speaking about a lifestyle with regards to perspective from the, from the rabbis and from people. How do we envision Torah as Torah, so to speak, this heavenly document which is uh, uh, imposing upon me? Or is it a heavenly document which is handed into my hands with a real responsibility? That's the Beit Shammai Beit Hillel debate. Rabbi Li'ezer then, as I mentioned, very much aligns himself with Beit Shammai. And here he is again, Beit Shammai, the opinion, Tanya Ahirim Omri Mishum Rabbi Li'ezer, Besa Te'achel Hi Ve'ima. The Besa Shinoda Biyom Tob is permitted to be eaten both it and its mother. Now the Gemara will wonder, uh, a small point, but we want to pay attention to every single word. We want every word to be accounted for. And the question will be as follows. When he has his statement that both it and its mother can be eaten, both it and the, uh, the hen or the chicken can be eaten, why the necessity to mention the mother as well? The question, after all, is only about the bits. Ah, the question, after all, is only that which came out. The mother itself is not really our issue. What's that? Mother's either always legal or always illegal. If it was if my purpose entering into the day was to eat from it, so of course it should be permitted. Whether you're Beit Shammai or Beit Hillel, even Beit Hillel would permit that, wouldn't they? If the expressed purpose was for it not to be eaten, so then it's omedet legadil betzim. And then of course it's not eaten. It says the Gemara over here, what was the reference with regard to the, the situation according to the Bili Askinan La'asok means to deal. Anan means us. What are we dealing with? In other words, what's the specific, what would the heading be? How would you paint the context and situation that Abili Ezer was um, uh, involved in? Ilema, that's a compound word. Ilema, if you'll say, Bitarnigoleta omedet la'achila. Right, Jesse, if you're going to tell me that the circumstance is, and again, we had those two options. We dealt with them, I know it feels like years ago, but it was on Daf Beta Mudal just two pages ago. If you're dealing with a Tarnigolet, a chicken, which was purpose to be eaten, it's quite simple that both it and even its mother are permitted. The Hidush would be to tell me that the Beza is permitted. That the M, that the Tanigolet itself is permitted, everybody agrees to that. That's not Mukseh. It's like saying you're allowed to eat bread on Yom Tov. You're allowed to eat, uh, drink tea on Yom Tov. Of course you're allowed to. That, why would you have those? Ela, perhaps instead we're dealing with the Tanigolet omitted Ligadil Besi. Maybe alternatively we're dealing with the purpose of the chicken was in order to bring forth eggs. That was the express purpose. And then I don't understand the statement at all. Even Beit Shammai wouldn't, well, maybe Beit Shammai would. Says Rashi, we know that the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer is that Mukseh, that Mukseh that we've been talking about is Asur. So it's opinion later on our Masechet and Daflamidalit. As a result, Rabbi Eliezer's opinion should be, he the ima Asura. In short, the Gemara is caught in somewhat of a quagmire because we don't understand how to, how to define these words of Rabbi Eliezer. If his expressed purpose is to align himself with Beit Shammai, to say that the he should just say that. Why does he say the mother and the egg? And I know to you and I, it might be, and ultimately speaking, that will be one of the answers in the Gemara. It's just a way of talking. You know, you say not only the egg, not only the mother, but the egg as well. But at this point, we want to be, as we should be, very careful with every the egg, single. The egg would be the second way because he does all of 
Why That's what Rashi writes. Why is it Mukseh? This is the classic, because entering into the day, you don't have it there. Even though you're anticipating it giving birth, the egg is not there. The egg is still inside. And so as a result, it's, I mean, it's even nolad, right? In other words, this is a, our conversation from Beta Mudalif. The fact that it wasn't in existence causes it to be determined as Mukseh. Yes, uh, Jared Rashi quotes from the Gemara later on, and Daf Lamedale Da Mudalif, Rabbi Omer, it's necessary to have That's a necessary detail in the Gemara. Says the Gemara, one of two answers. First answer. First answer, and I think a few of you might be pleased with this. I did, as I want to do. I tell people who made this suggestion when we started the Masechet to just hold on, give it a little bit of time to develop. The first answer of the Gemara goes as follows. Rabbi um, Zera is going to suggest that perhaps the circumstance, the situation as such, that entering into the holiday, you had no intention with regards to this chicken. Oh, what do you mean you had no intention? That's right, you were growing chickens in the backyard or in your farm or wherever it is, and you just didn't have a plan for it. You entered into Yom Tov, what, well, what is the status? Your actions will define what the status of that chicken is. Do you understand? If I take the chicken and I slaughter it, well then, by extension, its eggs are permitted because I've showed retroactively, I had no thought on anything. I, I just have a chicken, hicken. My child was playing with it, I had no plans for it. I know we don't really think that way, but imagine a person was carefree, I just have that chicken. He now acts on it on Yom Tov by slaughtering it. He made clear retroactively that his intention was, it's what we call berera, huvrar hadavar, there's a retroactive reality that entering into the day of Yom Tov, his intention was to eat from it. Because he's eating the chicken, agav imor, going to be the words of bizera. The eggs out. Let's assume the egg comes out. No, no, no. It's, I wake up. I wake up Yom Tov morning. There's an egg over there. Why not? Why not? No, I didn't want the egg. I wanted the chicken. By slaughtering the chicken. It's the action of killing the chicken places my mindset entering the day as mine as on the chicken. And therefore the born egg is permitted as well. Alternatively, alternatively, if I just leave the chicken alone, what's that? If I leave the chicken alone, the egg is no good as well, because now it's muksi. What's that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not on Yom Tov, not on Shabbat. On Yom Tov, absolutely. Says the Gemara, Amar Bizera, Rabbi Zera says, Te'achel, the statement of Rabbi Eliezer went as follows. The egg is, yes. So chicken is kosher, egg is not in this case? No, you never get, it's, it's all or nothing. It's an all or nothing proposition over here. If the chicken is being eaten, then the egg is permitted. Because in such a situation, I say the egg wasn't mukseh, it was an extension of the chicken which I had my mind on before. No, I can't eat it. I need to slaughter the chicken. Alternatively, if I don't slaughter the chicken, what's that? Yes. Why so? 
because the, I, I showed that my intent is on the chicken. There's no muktzeh. That's an exception. That's right. So again, so Amar Bizera Te'achel, the statement of Rabbi Eliezer was, the egg can be eaten. Why did he mention the mother? Just mention the egg. Agav imol. Literally on the back. In Aramaic, a, the aleph, means al. Gav means back. On the back of the mother. Because of the mother's permissibility, or because of the mother's applicability, the fact that you're slaughtering it, you in turn have revealed to us that you want the egg as well, or that you're going to eat the egg as well, because it's not mukseh. what's the case? You took this chicken for the holiday time. No, no intentionality, no purpose. Nishheta, if you then slaughter it on the holiday. Huvrera. Berera, the word barur means to clarify. We're talking about retroactive clarity. Huvrera de la achila omedet. You've then shown and clarified and made clear to yourself and others the purpose of this chicken was to eat from it. Was it really? Retroactively, it was. As a result, the byproduct, in the words of uh, Rabbi, is the egg. It's permitted as well. Lonish heta, if you didn't slaughter, if you didn't do anything to it, Huvrera, it stays status quo. This chicken was mukse, and as a result, its beza is problematic as well. No, you're, it's quite the opposite. You're going back in time with intentionality. Now, there is a wide. That's right. Retroactive mind. Now, sure. In Talmud, in Talmud, there is a mahloket throughout. It's a well-known mahloket about whether this concept called berera, an action or a mindset which takes place later on, can affect what happened earlier. It's a mahloket which is far and wide. I remember being tested on this for entrance into the kolel in the one yeshiva. They're asking because it's intricate and it's difficult. Here in our Gemara, we're assuming Berera because we're dealing with an Isur, which is Medrabanan. We're dealing with Mukseh, which is Medrabanan. That's why we're assuming. So, so for, for as hard as it is to fully crystallize in your mind, for the Rabbanan, everybody accepts it. For the Oraita, we have Mahloket. Berera is the concept that my mindset or action now can affect retroactively what it was then. Even though in reality, quote unquote, I had no mindset entering in, I injected through my mindset, through my actions now. Says the Gemara, second answer. Second answer is a little bit more uh, for the layperson. Second answer over here, if you recall the question we're dealing with, is why does Rabili Ezer say that um, if you have the egg on the holiday, both the egg and the mother are permitted? Uh, why didn't he just say the egg is permitted? That's the, so the first answer was, it's that the egg is permitted only because of the mother, only because you showed what you're doing with the mother, that in turn permitted the egg. Second answer is, listen, he could have just said the egg. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll bring you into the, a, a circumstance, situation, and I want to tell you everything goes over here. So I'll mention even things that are not necessary. You could eat that, you could eat that, you could eat everything. You know, I, I'm going on a diet, I'm going off my diet, so, that, that, so I, I speak to my uh, nutritionist. I said, so what am I allowed to eat now? You can eat vegetables, you can eat fruits, you can eat candy, you can eat meat, you can... 
Why did they mention vegetables and fruit? Of course you can eat vegetables. It's, a, it's what the Gemara calls guzma. It's an exaggerated speech to tell you it's all permitted. That's a statement. Not to tell you a halakha per se. Of course I'm allowed to eat the vegetables and fruit. That's what I was having on my diet already. The statement is, by extension, you can eat everything else, but I want to mention it all in order to make it clear and exaggerate and make it forceful. So, yes, ma'am. So, it says that I'm an Yes. Right? So, then, at any time, I can change my mind and decide that I wanted the item. No, 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 no. no. You entered with no mindset. And my action on. Uh, you do so? Okay. And my action. My action on the holiday, it means that now I realize I needed it. But entering into the day, it's not possible. Okay, if that's the case, that's the case. It's going to be hard, far-fetched, because generally speaking, we assume... And no listen, mindset is bullshit, simple. Right, but over here you have blank mindset. No, no, no. It's, you did an action over here again. It's not just that it became permitted and in terms of... Okay, says the Gemara over here. Probably not. Probably there's this express purpose for all. Says the Gemara. Says Gemara. The second answer over here. Rav Meri Amar Guzma Katane. The word Guzma means exaggeration. He says the expression of Rabbi Eliezer was exaggerated. It was a forceful statement. He didn't need to tell you the mother was permitted. Of course the mother's permitted. But he's trying to tell you the mother's permitted, the egg's permitted, everything's permitted. That's the way he's speaking. And we give an example. He says, you know, I know the rabbi sometimes, especially in this context, will talk like that. Ditanya, for example, we have a beraita where we have this ex- opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. And listen to how it's spelled out. Aherim omrim mishum so those are the words we've been working with until now. What are the next words in that Braita? The Ifroach, and furthermore, the chick, Uklipato, and its shell. Shema Yisrael, nobody eats shells. So the assumption, and this will be the conclusion, it'll take us a minute to get there, but the assumption is when he's speaking, he's just trying to say, Everything's familiar. In the, the kitchen sink, it's all okay. So he even mentions the egg to make a point. It means that he starts by talking about the mother, if the mother is permitted, the egg is permitted, the chick is permitted, heck, even the shell is permitted. It's called guzma. It's a forceful way of speaking in order to make a point. It means to say the question you were disturbed by initially, why does it say the mother and the, and the, and the egg? Okay, it's called guzma. But the gemara, what's that? Uh, why not? Why not? Of course, it's not mukse. Yeah, according to Bilias, according to Bet Shammai, it's not mukse. You could use a pen. That's the point. Now, that's the point. That's exactly. That's the point. So now says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. But let's just get there. It'll take us two, two, three minutes to get there to actually say that's what the maybe the word klipato, as Jared wants to say, uh, actually means a circumstance, something that is edible. Maybe that's what the Gemara will say. You can't make that argument since you can't make that argument. The suggestion we're making right now that this is just mentioned as a forceful, exaggerated mode of speech. That's the real. But take give it a minute. My klipato. What does it mean? Quote unquote, when the Beraita mentioned this if shell, if you're to tell me that it actually means a shell, an actual shell, you eat shells? Rather, perhaps, and this will throw us off track, 
Efroach beklipato. Maybe the reference over here is, it's that you took the egg while it had a chick in it. You cracked open the egg, and the question is, is that chick inside of it? When you cracked open the egg, it didn't, wasn't hatched, wasn't born naturally, you cracked it open, is that permitted? The Gemara will state in just a moment, and I'll tell you how we get there, nobody will assume that's permitted. The Gemara will say, you can never do the action of cracking it and then eating from it. Why so? In such a circumstance, we envision that chick that you cracked open the shell as what's called a sheret. It's a dirashah later on and dafav. A sheret, of course, are those creepy crawlers. The Torah gives us many prohibitions from eating from them, from involving yourself. Shemona sheratim is a mishnah masechet shabbat, these creepy crawling items. This is included in it. It's completely prohibited. It's not a living organism in the fullest sense yet, and as a result, it's prohibited. So you can't make that argument. Now, the Gemara, in order to make that claim, that, that of course, efroah biklipato, that the reference when it said, the uh, shell doesn't mean the chick that came from the shell when you did the action. It does it like this because there is one mahloket on a stage right afterwards. What about it is hatched naturally and then the chick comes out but the chick's eyes are still glued one to the other. The eyes are still glued to one, one to the other. There's a mahloket on dathaf between Bili'ezib and Yaakov and Hachamim about whether that's permitted. Okay, that's a mahloket over there. Says the Gemara, that's a mahloket. When it came out and the eyes were still glued closed, do we envision that yet as a full-fledged chick or is it just a creepy crawling prohibited? However, when it's in the shell, of course it's prohibited. That's what the words in the Gemara will mean for us right now. Adkan la pelige, pelige, peleg means to be split. The mahloket between Rabbanan al-Eder bili ben Yaakov, which again, we're going to see in full color on the vav amudbet, it's specifically in only when the chick already came out into the air of the world and the eyes are closed. Okay, over there, there's one permitting opinion and one prohibitive opinion. Uh, however, when it's still in the shell, inside of it, it hasn't emerged into the air of our, uh, our atmosphere. Everybody agrees. There's no mahloket that it's certainly prohibited. So rather, what do the words mean then? Back to square one. Again, the statement of Bili is if the Betzah is no Dabiyom Tob, the mother and the egg and the chick and the shell are all permitted. What does it mean that last thing? And the shell. Ela, rather, it's got to mean when we're reading about this, Efrahu Klipato, Guzma, it must be that that statement of even the shell means an actual shell. Nobody imagines you're eating the shell. It's an expression of exaggeration in order to make the point. As a result, by extension, the first reference, the mother and the egg. Why'd you mention the mother? Of course the mother's permitted. The statement of the mother being permitted is as well. Very uh, quickly to summarize what we established and discussed today. First, we went back to Rabbi Yitzhak and Rav Yosef. We explained that the, the, the Ravashe's approach to this matter went like this. That Let's remember what that is. An item which will become, over the course of time, naturally permitted. Our circumstance, wait until after the holiday. And of course, this egg is permitted. It's only on the holiday that it's prohibited. It has restrictions, not only with regards to annulling, not only with regards to bitul, but also with regards to safik. Even though it's a safik, we went the humrah. And then secondly, we got introduced to Rabili Ezer. Brief introduction to Rabili Ezer. He's the Bet Shammai individual. Of course, he's going to be permitting over here. 
How much so? He says that the mother and the betza are permitted. Mother and the child and the betza. Of course the mother is permitted if it's omedet la'achila. One of two explanations. Either it means the betza is permitted because of the mother. You went into the day with no mindset. Your slaughtering showed that you want the mother. By extension, the extension of it is the egg. Or alternatively, it's just derech guzma. It's an expression of exaggeration in order to make the point. Everything's permitted over here. The mother and the egg and the chick and even the shell. Of course, you're not eating the shell. And of course, the mother's permitted. It's a way of being forceful to speech. Amen. Amen.